Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Off the Block Podcast. You're listening to episode one. My name is Garrett Simpson, and I'm going to be your host today. We're coming at you live from the Moorhead West Studios in Charlotte, North Carolina. I'm here with my partner and co-host, Riley Brock. Riley, how are you doing today? Garrett, I am doing so well. I am excited to get this thing going. First of all, welcome to the podcast. We're excited about what we have for you guys. Garrett, let's get started. Well, Riley, I think the first thing we probably ought to do for the listeners is introduce ourselves a little bit. I would imagine most of the listeners at the beginning may be people we know. Hi, Mom. But for those that don't, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background in swimming? So my background in swimming is a little bit different. Unlike most swimmers, I did not start swimming when I was three years old. I actually started when I was 17, 18 years old. Funny story, actually, I was in a class with a group of swimmers that I ate lunch with, and they seemed to only talk about swimming. So decided to give it a shot. Turned out to be okay at it. Swam in high school for a little bit. Swam club for a few months. Was able to get a scholarship to Gardner-Webb University, where I swam for four years. Had a great career there, and wouldn't change anything about it. So Garrett, tell us uh, a little bit about your story. So my background in swimming is about the complete opposite of Riley's. I grew up in a swimming family. I had three older siblings who swam. Both of my parents were swim coaches at some point in my life. My dad still coaches swimming, but I started competing at about eight years old. Uh, I swam club in high school at Swim Mac Carolina and then ended up also going to swim at Gardner-Webb University. I only swam two years in college, my freshman and senior year, which is an interesting story for a later day. Absolutely. That's my background, and I, I must say, uh, Riley was being a little modest about how quickly he picked up swimming, so we were in the same conference for high school swimming, and he was good enough after about a month and a half of high school swimming where I did not swim the 50 freestyle at our conference championship meet because I did not want to lose to the kid who had just started swimming, so he picked it up pretty quickly. So I think the next thing that we should do is we should get into a little bit of Uh, What led us to come up with the idea for this podcast? So where did the idea come from and how did we go about kind of getting this started? So honestly, the the start of this whole thing probably started a few years ago. When Garrett and I were swimmers, I noticed that we were huge swim fans or swim nerds, as you could say. Um, We would keep track of not just swimmers in our conference, but every other conference, even though we would never compete with them. We love to see people swim fast, learn how they were swimming so fast, and really just enjoyed being swim fans. We also knew that there's not a lot of media coverage in swimming. There actually is only a few podcasts that are not currently running right now about swimming. So we took initiative to start this ourselves, and we're going to see how it goes. That's right. Yeah, and to be clear, Riley was more of a swim nerd than I am. (laughs) Uh, Riley's the type of guy who would like, be able to tell people their times when they didn't know them. Like, I know for a fact our friend Nathan Lyle, like, Riley could probably tell you his 50 freestyle time from senior college right now. I probably could. What is it? <laughs> 1938. There we go. Someone will have to fact check that. Uh, Producer Cooper might have to fact check that. So on today's episode, we're going to talk about a couple of things. First, we're going to talk about the elephant in the room, what everybody has been talking about for the last few days, the coronavirus. Uh, Obviously, specifically, we're going to talk about its impact on swimming, being the cancellation of meets, postponement of meets, those sort of things. And then we'll get a little bit into the primary focus of today's episode is we're going to recap conference championship season. 
This is something that we thought would kind of lead into a preview of NCs. Obviously, now that's not going to happen. So we're going to kind of dive into how conference championship season went, you know, look at who did really well, uh, who set themselves up really well for NCs and those sort of things. So, Yeah, so Garrett, I am stocked up on my toilet paper. Are you? Well, I'm not really in charge of that in my household. I currently live at home, so hopefully Mama Ouch. Scent went out and hopefully Mama Scent went out and got some some TP for us. Hopefully two ply. Who knows? Let's only hope so. But in all seriousness, obviously a lot has been going on, breaking news every day. As we know, NCAA's for men's and women's swimming has been canceled. All conference tournaments for basketball have been canceled. NCAA tournament for basketball has been canceled, along with all spring and winter sports, right? Yeah. yeah. So, Garrett, what are your initial thoughts on all this happening in just a short amount of time? Well, obviously, I think it's a really tough situation. Uh, it's really you know heartbreaking for the seniors who lost the opportunity to have their, their last hurrah. You know, it's really a... a, a time of lots of emotion and lots of uncertainty because right now we don't know what the status of olympic trials is we don't know what the status of the olympics is the ioc came out today and said you know it's it's plans as usual obviously they're monitoring the situation i'm pretty sure that japan has done a pretty good job of managing the virus and and they've contained the spread pretty well so hopefully that bodes well for it um and who knows what the whole situation is going to look like in a month or two months. Uh, so it, it's really hard to say, but that kind of contributes into the uncertainty. But they've talked about, originally they talked about doing like March Madness without the fans with only like family and close friends there. But you you literally can't do that with swimming. Uh, so, I mean, like... Yeah, you know, I mean, all, the whole, all of the fans are basically the parents and close family. Yeah, you've got a couple alumni up there. Obviously, you've got the Cal Bears up there in their bear suits, you know, having a good time. But... Other than that, I mean, it's literally all family, uh, so it's not really a realistic thing that you could do without fans. Uh, what are your initial thoughts on the situation? Honestly, it's really heartbreaking. Um, I like to make light of the situation and joke around, but in all seriousness, it's really sad. I can't imagine going through that. The thing is, is these athletes are missing out on opportunities to set best times, to set records, really, to make personal narratives for themselves. I mean... Every single meet we go to, there's always that one story that you're like, man, that guy really killed it that you really wouldn't expect to. So, I mean, we're missing out on history here, and it's really just sad. I can't imagine not having my last swim. I look back on that moment. It was such a great moment to finish my last race, hop out, have all of my teammates embrace me. It's just something that you'll really never forget, and it's sad that we're going to miss out on that. On the same vein, though, when I reflect on my swimming career, obviously, you know, we had pretty different journeys through college. But when I reflect on my swimming career, I don't think about a, a swim and I don't think about a time. Uh, I think my last race was 100 breaststroke and I wasn't even a breaststroker. Yeah. Uh, it was just like a fun thing that I did. I time trialed it at my last meet. But when I look back on things, I think about our men's team camping trips that we did every fall i think about saturday morning practice like leaving going back to the cafeteria after just getting dogged at practice uh hope that people can kind of put things in perspective eventually i know right now is a really emotional time but to, to you know really challenge yourself to reflect on your experience and your career as a whole to those times in club swimming uh, because at the end of the day in two years like that's what you're going to remember yeah absolutely and to reflect a little bit for myself, 
I look back at those moments, but you've got to also think about all of the lessons that you learned as a swimmer, um, how to really just put your head down and grind. And that kind of brings me to a question. I know you're in law school right now. So how has swimming kind of prepared you for that everyday grind of just putting your head down, going to work, no distractions? Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it really like set me up really well to have the discipline and the work ethic. Um, uh, morning practice was my bitter enemy in college. Oh, we know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was not the best at attending morning practice. I would always find a, find a way to miss, but I know that my teammates would never believe this, but I'm a morning person now. Uh, I, wake <laughs> I find up, that hard to believe as well. <laughs> I wake up every day at 5.15. Uh, I am in the law school building by 6.15, and that's when I found that I'm the most productive. But having the discipline from having you know forced myself to, to, to wake up or just knowing how to do that really uncomfortable grind when things are tough and when things are not fun, uh, mm-hmm. but knowing that in the end, you know, it's it's kind of like... I think about graduating and I think about the bar exam, like I would think about a taper meet, like the times now that aren't fun are going to be worth it. Yeah. So, uh, it definitely has made like a a legitimate impact on the way that I've performed in school. So you really can't undervalue those types of things. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, there's, there's so many lessons that I learned going through swimming, so many memories that are just bigger than that last meet. And these seniors that were affected by this, I know you put in four years of hard work, dedication to get you to this moment, but just really look back on those lessons that you learned. Look back at those friendships, those memories that you made with all your friends outside of the pool. Those will definitely end up being bigger than this last meet or any time that you would go or any personal best. Yeah, exactly. Um, And that kind of takes us into something that has been a really interesting movement that has emerged since uh, the announcement of the cancellation of NCAAs. Uh, this is something that's bigger than just swimming, but it's all over Instagram, especially. I don't know if I've seen it much on Twitter, but it's the hashtag Corona redshirt year movement or redshirt Corona year movement. Um, you have the information off of their social media. So can you explain to the folks at home what exactly that is about and what their purpose is? Yeah. So this movement, I'm pretty sure it was created either last night or this morning. Um, when I looked at it last night, they had about 20,000 followers. Right now they have close to 50, so it definitely is growing. Their goal is basically to get people to sign a petition that would give athletes another year of competition. Um, that includes spring and winter athletes. Obviously, their championships were taken away for them. For spring athletes, essentially their whole season was taken away from them. I mean, spring athletes really just started, what, a month ago? Yeah, yeah, like baseball uh, men's and women's lacrosse, softball, outdoor track. I know I'm forgetting more sports, but those people yeah. just started. Uh, they're so far off from their championship season. You know, that stuff is in May and June. Yeah, so exactly. So Garrett, what are your thoughts on this? Do you think it's necessary? Do you think it's something that could potentially happen? What do you predict the outcome of this being? This may be an unpopular take. I, I support it for sure for spring sports, for okay. the baseball, uh, lacrosse, softball, all those sports who just started. They haven't even really gotten into the meat of like their conference season. Yeah. Uh, I support that. As far as swimming goes, I, I don't. Um, I think it's it's a really tough situation. It's a tough break for all of these seniors, but I don't know that there's many seniors who would really want another year of eligibility just because they missed NCs. Like, you know, we know people who are current seniors who were going to go to NCAAs, and I really doubt that they would want to spend another year training and going through that grind. 
I understand that this is a really emotional time for them and that it's it's challenging, but I just don't think it's really practical to award another year, full year of eligibility to seniors who didn't get to swim one meet. Yeah, I see where you're coming from there, but I think swimming is definitely different from most sports. I mean, we put all that work, all that dedication, all that sacrifice into the last meet of the year, especially for some of those higher level athletes who literally they don't taper at their midseason meet. They don't get much rest at all. They pretty much swim like crap throughout the whole year to swim so well at the last meet being NCAA championships. And to have that taken from them essentially takes away their entire season. So I can kind of see where people are coming from, especially on the swim front. But I don't know. I could I could go either way here. Yeah, and, you know, it is a really small percentage of those athletes who – got the you know they're talented enough and and confident enough in their ability to qualify for the meet without tapering at midseason or for tapering for conference but they still got to have you know their conference meet their their you know whole season the practices the dual meets um and while it's unfortunate that they didn't get to swim ncs uh it's unfortunate that we don't get to watch it it's just not a good situation you know at the end of the day this is a a, a really hard situation everyone's doing what they can and i think the ncaa made the right decision um, but at the end of the day, the, the straw that breaks the camel's back for the argument for giving it back to swimming is scholarships. Um, you you kind of pointed this out to me. We hadn't really thought about this, but uh, the the impact that keeping seniors around another year would have on the financial situation of incoming freshmen, it just it doesn't work. I mean, that, that brings a lot of issues up. The freshmen that are coming in, they've already signed. You already have their spots ready on the team. There, I know some schools have caps for how much scholarship money they can give out. Some schools... They really don't even have the money to hand out all these scholarships. So a lot of problems will definitely arise from that. There really is a bigger question in all of this, and it's why did the NCAA make such a knee-jerk reaction to cancel the meet immediately? I mean, the coronavirus really just developed in the last three days. Everything's moving so quickly. The meet is still a week or two away. Why not take some time, evaluate the situation, give it a week, postpone it a month, um, two months, a couple of weeks. I mean, really think about your options here, but it seems like the NCAA just kind of panicked and just canceled everything immediately. What are your thoughts on that? I couldn't agree more. Uh, I think that the decision to cancel rather than to postpone or to you know, do things in just a, a more kind of controlled and uh, I would say considerate way, I think that they just felt the pressure of, you know, March Madness is this impending thing. We're having conference championships right now in, like, basketball and, and those sports. Like, I don't know why they canceled the College World Series for baseball. It's in June. Yeah, I mean, who exactly. knows what's going to be going on in June? Why not say it's postponed and then in May, if this outbreak is still bad, if it's getting worse? Yeah, yeah obviously you cancel it then, but and I don't what's, know why. What's the rush to, to cancel? There's no deadlines coming up. Why not just give it some time, wait a little bit, take a week, take a week or two, meet with whoever you need to meet with and form a well thought out decision other than just canceling. You know, one thing that, that it could include is travel plans for friends and family and fans, people booking flights, being able to cancel a flight or cancel a hotel. But you know, when it comes to all of that, what it really boils down to is this is just a really unfortunate situation that it's nobody's fault. Everybody's making the decision that they think is best. And, you know, who are we to really fault the NCAA for making the decision they made? Oh, no. We no. definitely think it could have been better. But obviously, we don't know everything that's going in behind the scenes there. Yeah, everyone's going to have their opinions. And no one's going to be fully satisfied in the situation. Like you said, it's so unfortunate. And really, no one wins here. You know, I think this is a, a great opportunity to transition into our next topic where we can 
celebrate the good things that did happen a couple weeks ago, uh, in some cases more recently, but I think it's time that we talk about conference championship season. So let's start things off with the ACC, and then we'll go from there. So ACCs for the women. We had Virginia win for the second time in three years with a point total of 1,492 points. This is actually the most points ever scored at ACC, so pretty impressive there. NC State came in second, scoring 1,333 points, followed by Louisville scoring 1,105 points. So It's a pretty close meet. I mean, yeah. obviously uh, Coach DeSorbo at Virginia had his girls ready to go, but um, that was definitely a fun meet to watch, and it's cool to see programs like Louisville continuing to challenge those you know, really established programs that have been kind of consistently at the top for the past few years. Absolutely. Um, Swimmer of the meet, hands down, Paige Madden was lights out. She won the 200, she won the 500, and she won the mile. Um, she also was on the winning relays of the 400 free and 800 free. Um, I love to see a lady who can win the mile hop on that 400 free relay and split a 48-0. That is amazing. No way I, as a sprinter, could even finish a mile. Uh, Multifacet there. I love it. Yeah. uh, I couldn't even fathom finishing the mile because every (laughs) time that I signed up for it, it got lightninged out. Uh, Literally, like, signed up for it in outdoor long course meets, and there would be a lightning storm every time. Uh, That's a win in my book. Absolutely. Um, (laughs) But, yes, Paige Madden, I mean, just unbelievable swims all around. Uh, Virginia as a whole winning nine of the events. That's pretty crazy. ACC's for women this year was a, a really fun event to watch. Um, hopefully we'll get to see some more stuff like that in the future. Obviously, Virginia's kind of reloading, uh, getting the Walsh girls coming in from Nashville. Yeah, it's huge. It's safe to say that the, uh, the ACC is in good hands for the years to come, for sure. On the men's side of the meet, NC State won their fifth title in a row. They had 1,250 points, and they were followed very closely by Virginia and Louisville. Uh, Virginia had 1,089 points, while Louisville had 1,066.5. So very close. Louisville had an interesting meet. They swam lights out. They had some incredible relays. Uh, First night of the meet, they were absolutely dominating the 200 medley relay, but got DQ'd. Um, They were winning. They were winning by a ton. uh, Maybe uh, like roughly a body length, and their freestyler jumped. Uh, you hate that for him, that but man, got to be conservative there. You just didn't need that. No, like he didn't need to go early. He went eighteen, like eighteen high. Yeah, and it was one of the fastest. A little bit in the field. too much of pre work out there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But some of the meet was Coleman Stewart. No surprise there. He absolutely lit it up. He won um, the hundred backstroke, and uh, he swam lights out in the hundred fly as well. And uh, I think he swam the two hundred back. He won the two hundred back, right? Yeah, yeah. so really impressive there. Um, as far as other swimmers who lit it up, Nicholas Albiero, son of the Louisville coach, tore it up. He had a really impressive 44 in the 100 fly. Obviously, it would have been a lot of fun to see what these guys could have done at NC's, but yeah. big props to NC State. I mean, five years in a row is really impressive. It's not like they're just coasting through this, and you know they've got that really solid competition out of UVA and Louisville. Florida State had a couple of really good relays there. They did, yeah. Sprint relays looked really, really good. There were some big dudes. They are. <laughs> they would have uh, made our relay in college look very, very tiny. Yeah, that is very true. Man, but especially the there's one freshman on their relay who is just an absolute monster, just huge dude. Um, but It'll yeah, only get bigger. Really, really <laughs> impressive to see that. So hopefully FSU can kind of continue 
climbing back into prominence. You know, the more teams you have up there at the top, Notre Dame, UNC with their new coaching staff. Uh, again, ACC in great hands for the years to come. For sure. So let's go ahead and move on to the SEC now. I'm going to cover the women's side. No surprise here. Tennessee took it home, scoring 1,108 points, followed by Florida and Kentucky coming in third. Pretty pretty big there. Summer of the meet, we all know her. Erica Brown, where's the whoop band? Um, obviously, the whoop band is working for her. <laughs> she continues to get faster. I think it's important to note Erica Brown, as a sprinter, is she's not super tall, and she's able to go lights out every single night, blazing fast. I'm going to pause you right there. What is a whoop band? <laughs> so, let me explain. A, a For whoop, us non-fitness junkies. A whoop band is something that would track your athletic performance, your heart rate variability, resting heart rate, tracks how much you sleep, how different substances will affect your body um gives you really good data so you can really track what you're doing and show the best way to recover okay um, obviously it's working out for erica brown though but yeah so lady bobs they secured their first ever sec championship that was huge i would have loved to see erica swim at ncaa's i'm sure she was not fully tapered but we will definitely see her at trials and i expect her to do really well there yeah they swam really gritty uh Pretty cool to see Florida back up on top on the women's side. Uh, I, I know it was maybe two years ago. They only had like one individual qualifier mm-hmm. for uh, NCAAs, and they didn't even score. So to see them back at the spot that they belong, good to see that. Kentucky's really you know continued their climb. On the women's yeah. side, they've obviously got a lot of really good backstroke. They're kind of known for that right now. And it, it is important to note, too, that they only beat UGA by a point and a half. Oh, yeah. Close um, battle there for third. But it's also cool to see Georgia coming back as well. And, and, you know, they've had some rocky times in the past few years, but it's cool to see them coming back. And um, that kind of transitions us well to the men's side of the meet. And in the men's side. I'm going to pause you there for a second. Okay. Quick fact out of the returning swimmers for next year, Kentucky outscored everyone over 100 points. Really? So really look out for that coming into the 2020 2021 season. Uh, Very cool to see. Fast fact. Uh, one swimmer who really kind of jumped up and surprised, I think a lot of people, was Brian White from Alabama, backstroker, uh, absolutely lights out 200 backstroke. Yes, she was, but more impressive than the 200 backstroke had to be those eyelashes. Eyelash. Those things were popping. The eyelash game was strong, uh, to say the least. That was one thing when we were watching SECs, instead of going out with our friends, we noticed very quickly. Oh, yeah. I mean, love them. Hey, good for her. Stunt. I love it. Yep. Definitely got to gotta show out. So, you do you, girl. Hey, can I talk about men's now? Absolutely. All right, perfect. It. So uh, on the men's side, Florida won again. Um, they just continued their dominance. They had 1,194 points. They were followed pretty closely by Texas A&M and Georgia. Uh, A&M had 975.5, while Georgia had 953.5. So really tight, tight race between those two teams. Obviously, Georgia was getting it done in the distance events. And A&M... Um, I mean, they're really a force to be reckoned with. Shane Cassis is absolutely dirty, but they're deep. Uh, they have a lot of really talented swimmers. Um, swimmer of the meet was Kieran Smith. No surprise there. Just an absolutely shocking 500 free. I don't know that anyone was expecting that. Yeah, that was shocking. For I sure. would not have been surprised to see a 409, but good Lord, a 406? Yeah. 
It's just, I mean, just a few years ago, a 410 was nuts. Yeah. A 415 was crazy fast. And it still is, obviously. But the fact that those barriers just, like, dropping lower and lower. But, I mean, obviously, he also won the 200 free. He went 130.1. He's the fourth fastest performer all time in that event. Um, and even just, like, seeing the 130, it's like, oh, yeah, well, that's that's a solid swim. But yeah. it's no 129, you know? Yeah, exactly. But, yeah, and then he also won the 400 IM in 337. Very notably, about a week later, Shane Cassis at the American Short Course Championships hosted, I believe it's at, at UT, but it might be at AM. I could be wrong. Uh, he went 337 in the 400 IM also. Um, wow. And he and Zane Waddell actually had the most uh, individual points scored, but uh, I have no beef giving Kieran Smith the Summer of the Meat Award when you, know, you have historic swims like that. But that wasn't the only historic swim out of Florida. You had uh, Bobby Fink's mile. 1412 just absolutely absurd yeah i think i might be able to do a thousand in 1412 right now i doubt it that might be pushing it one thing to note about secs as a whole i don't know if you were watching but the interviews were great yeah elizabeth beisel did a great job interviewing some of them were really funny i don't remember who it was i think it was a texas a&m guy who won it was shane cassis the two back i believe yeah he um he snatched the mic he snatched the mic and elizabeth asked him if he thought he could do it and he said yeah i knew i could do it and i love that confidence love the interviews there were some pretty funny ones but also i i can't not say something about it i gotta give some some props to the south carolina sprint program uh south carolina men ended up last but you know one thing that has always been a weakness for them is their sprint program big shouts to papa simp uh they they really turned around in the last year they had six guys i think break 20 uh like four of them for the first time Lewis Burris tore it up. He was kind of a big surprise. Also, I forget his name, but the freshman from LSU, his first name's Brooks, but he won the 100 free just completely yeah, out of huge. nowhere. If you would have did a lineup of the you know top six finishers and asked who won, I would have said he was sixth, but kid tore it up. He's really talented. I think he comes from Dynamo. So, But overall, SECs, as always, so much fun to watch. Um, great spectator event, and you know, let's, let's move it on to the Big Ten. All right, so going right into the women's Big Ten championships. So, news line here, Ohio State broke a 34-year drought. Um, huge win by them, scoring 1,500 points. Second place was Michigan, followed by Indiana in third. I think it's notable to mention that Ohio State won the Big Ten title with only four wins, but were able to score in 58 swims. That definitely shows how important it is in those B and C finals to get those points in. Talk about some depth there. That's wild. Yeah, pretty huge. So on the men's side, uh, Michigan took it all. Uh, They won with 1,548 points. Ohio State snuck in on day three and beat host Indiana for second place. They scored 1,329, and Indiana was at 1,321. Uh, men's swimmer of the meet, Bruno Blaskovic from Indiana. He won the 50 and 100 free and I believe was like second in the 100 fly. Can you but, say his name one more time? Uh, I would rather not. <laughs> <laughs> Blaskovic, Blaskovic. Beautiful. Blaskovic. Yeah. Who knows? We'll go with it. I'm doing my best over here. Bruno, great job. Swam super fast. Um, I feel like I could be wrong here, but I feel like Michigan's been really like – sneaky good this year i feel like they've been pretty quiet i feel like in the last few years the only swimmer from michigan that you could really name off the top of your head was felix albach mm-hmm. he's obviously very established in the distance events but as far as the rest of you know michigan swimming is concerned they're kind of they're kind of you know just under the radar 
I feel like maybe the Big Ten is almost like the Pac-12 when it comes to football. It's like you never really see them. You don't hear much about it, but, yeah. I mean, they really, uh, they've got some talented swimmers there, and they always show up at NCs, especially Indiana. Big bummer that we don't get to see that, but um, congrats to Michigan. Pretty cool to see Ohio State sneak back into that top three, too. All right, so let's move on to the Pac-12. Riley, why don't you tell us about the women's meet a little bit? So Stanford actually won their fourth consecutive title, and question for you, Garrett. If you had to guess how many straight titles Stanford has won in their history of swimming, how many would you guess? What do you mean? How many straight titles have they won previously? T- Not right now. Oh, like... Pac-12 titles. Straight or how many Pac-12? Straight. Oh, yep. period. Yep. Uh, probably like 20. That's a little much. 13, actually, from 1987 to 1999. Oh, Either okay. way, it's still pretty impressive. Yeah, that's wild. That's yeah. really impressive. Uh, best swimmer at the meet by far, Brooke Ford. She really impressed me here. Last year, she actually won the five free, but this year she took gold in the two breast and the four IM. Really? So showing a little diversity there. I yeah. love it. Very, very uh, versatile swims there. They, I mean, it, and it wasn't close. Like the meet was not close. No, they had it almost 1,600 points, and the next place was Cal at 1224.5, and, and then USC only 12 points behind that. It would have been very crazy to see USC sneak in and, and take Cal down for a yeah. second. And I think it's a little bit different feel for Stanford this year. They're obviously missing Katie Ledecky, Simone Manuel. But I think they're really falling back on their depth this year. Yeah, and they've had some crazy years recruiting in the past few years. I mean, they just are, like, printing recruits. Like, people yeah. print money. Like, it's just absolutely absurd. If you've been out to Palo Alto, it's not hard to understand. Well, I mean, if you have the opportunity to swim at Stanford, it's kind of hard to say no to that. Yeah, this meet kind of surprised me. Um, a simulator from a certain website had Cal winning the meet by a couple hundred points, and it turns out that Stanford won the meet by over 300. Wow. So... You can't never trust know simulators? how people are going to perform on game day. Wait, you mean that you can't trust everything you see on the internet? That is exactly true. I don't know about all that. Corona. So on the men's side of the Pac-12, Cal won for the third straight year and the seventh time in program history. Uh, they had 10 individual wins and four relay wins. Uh, they ended up having a total of 856 points. Um, very surprising outcome here. Arizona was second. I don't think either one of us would have predicted that at the beginning, uh, but they, beat the weather there. they ended up with 578 points, so not really close to Cal on top, but very solid swims from them, and then Stanford ended up getting third with 573.5 points. Standout swimmers, Daniel Carr, Ryan Hoffer, uh, Reese Whitley obviously tore it up. Uh, Sean Grishup had a really solid meet. It would have been interesting to see what he and Grant Schultz could have done in the distance events at NC's. Um, Brooks fail really tore it up. He won his first ever PAC 12, uh, event in the mile 1444, but man, does that give you some perspective for Bobby Fink's 1412? It definitely does. He would have won the PAC 12 by 32 seconds. That's insane. That's, That's over a 50. Yeah. And he beat yeah. most of the swimmers at everyone. SEC. Yeah. Most of the swimmers at SECs, he was over a 50 ahead. I mean, he lapped everybody, but one person, but just an absolutely absurd swim from him. That's not to discount that, uh, the guys in the PAC 12 did, but are you going to talk about Reese Whitley today, or you want me to talk about Reese Whitley? I, I Let me talk, talk about Reese Whitley. So he won the the he got first place in the hundred and two hundred breast. Um, snuck under one fifty, one forty nine eight. Again, would have really loved to see that dude swimming at uh, NCs. I because you know, you know, especially with Texas and Cal, both of those teams, most of those guys are not fully tapered. So to see that battle would have just been fantastic, and it really stinks that we don't get to, but. 
and, and also, you know, uh, Zhang Kwa from California, and then also um, Hugo Hoffer. Gonzalez. I already mentioned Ryan Hoffer, but swam super fast, 18 high in the 50, obviously another guy who would have torn it up NCs. But congrats, Cal, third in a row, seventh overall. You know, overall a great showing. Big surprise of the meet for, for me, USC getting DFL. Only scored 318 points, lost to Utah and Arizona State. Who knows what the reason for that was? Not me. But let's move it on. Let's go to the Big 12. Riley, can you tell us a little bit about the women's meet? Yeah, for the women, Texas won the 97th straight title. Um, Blowout win. I wouldn't expect anything different. Kansas came in second. TCU was third. Surprisingly, though, Texas did not sweep all the events. Kansas was able to sneak in a 1-2 finish in the 200 breaststrokes. 1-2-4. 1-2-4. Wow. Yeah, and Iowa State. Good breaststroke group there. Yeah, clearly. And it's sad that we don't get to see what the Texas girls could have done at NCs. Obviously, Texas has never tapered uh, for the Big 12s, and men and women. Um, On the men's side, Texas won. West Virginia was second. TCU was third. Some notable swims, um, but overall, I mean, just it was kind of cool to see how, how fast the Texas swimmers could go without being tapered and, and getting set up for NCs. Obviously, both teams were focused on that. Was um, that your pick to win men's NCs? I would have ended up saying Texas, yeah. Okay. I might be a little bit biased. Uh, I think that they kind of had that weight lifted off their shoulders of the streak last year. They lost it at home. Yeah. There's nothing to lose this year to just go after it. And but. you're biased because you're from Texas? Uh, my soul lives in Texas. We uh, have a running joke for those who don't know. Garrett is from North Carolina, but he's been to Texas a few times, and every time he goes, he does not want to come home. I so. don't. Texas is the best. It's a good place. Never been, but I've heard great things. That said, I think if I went to Berkeley, I could probably be convinced to become a Californian. Yeah. Sure <laughs> yeah. I. You know what? That's true. I, I want to move it on, though. Um. To wrap up the recap of conference championship season, I want to give some shout-outs to some mid-major swimmers. Um, Riley, I know that you don't have this in front of you right now, but I'd love for you to kind of just interject. But um, one of the most notable ones is Colin Wright from William & Mary. We actually raced him yeah. our senior year. I don't know if you remember. He, I do. William & Mary was at the ECU meet. But he went 18-98 and 42-01 to be ranked in top 10 of the NCAA for both events. It would have been cool to see if he could have done that at NCs and see if he could have gotten into May finals. Absolutely. Huge for such a small school. Their 200 free relay was really quick, too. Um, they went 117-19. They missed the A cut by, like, .03. Splits were 19-1, 19-3, 19-7, and 19-0. The 19-0 was not calling right. Wow. Uh, guy, Ian Doherty, um, must have just been absolutely jacked up. That was in a time trial. 19 flat is just, that's Jeez. cooking. Good sprint group there. School to highlight, Denver. They kind of border that bubble between mid-major and not mid-major. They're always good, um, but they've got multiple swimmers that were qualified for NCAAs. Guys ranked in the top you know, top 20, top 10 in certain events, but um, they definitely really lit it up. Um, I'm going to do my best with some of these names here. Ali Coco from Hawaii, 100 breaststroke, 51.7, was ranked in the top 15. I mean, 51.7 is just absolutely cooking, dude. Uh, Paul Rogers from Cal Poly, 200 freestyle, 133.6, was tied for 23rd. And this is all pre-Pac-12. Uh, Navy had a couple of stud distance swims. Ryan Waters uh, in the 500 was 4.17 flat. He was 29th. Luke Johnson, a fellow swim Macalum, shout out to that, uh, in the mile, 14.52.1. He was 17th, but Riley, I think that's pretty much all we have for conference championship season. I mean, what are your final thoughts on it? And you coaxed out of me what my prediction for NCs would have been. What would yours have been? 
I would definitely go with the Texas men as well. My final thoughts here is it's honestly just sad that we couldn't see some of these guys and ladies swim at NCs. I know a lot of people were not fully tapered. We're never going to know what their potential was. I'm sure as every year goes, there were going to be some records to be taken down, and it's sad that we're missing out on history here. Yeah, I mean, between Erica Brown, I mean, Bobby Fink getting another chance at that mile, Kieran Smith another chance in the 500 and 200, um, every swimmer from Texas and Cal pretty much. It's just a it's a bummer. I mean, it, it's always fun to get to see those schools break out of the conferences and just go at it. The relays are always amazing. Yeah. Um, and, and Texas and Cal have not let us down in the last few years for a very, very close race in men's NCs. It would have been interesting to see what, um, you know, Tennessee's women could have done if they would have swum to their full potential and, you know, maybe potentially given Stanford a run, who knows? Unfortunately, we won't. It does make me excited for trials. If anything, these guys can save up that performance for even better performance at trials. Yeah, assuming we get it. I hope we do. Let's hope so. One thing that's interesting, since this episode started, some of the conferences have kind of reeled back their cancellations of seasons. The Big South Conference announced that they're only suspending spring sports until March 30th. So they're kind of keeping the door open for potentially continuing on. Uh, And then the NCAA came out and said that they're granting another year of eligibility to spring athletes, not winter athletes. So swimming, no. I agree with that call. But basically exactly what I did read in that same article that they were considering doing something for the winter athletes. So hopefully they keep the door open and continue to debate on what will come from that. Yeah, the comment section on that article on a certain website was very interesting. Um, I think some people were pretty short-sighted about just really wanting to uh, give everybody as much eligibility as possible. I still don't agree with it. I, It's not that I hope that they don't give another year of eligibility. It wouldn't really be a bad thing, but I just think it wouldn't be the right decision. Yeah, I can agree with that. I think that's pretty much all we have for today. Uh, Riley, how do you feel like today's first episode went? I'd say it's a little shaky, but I mean, it is our first episode. We're going to figure this thing out as we continue going on. We have a lot of exciting ideas, a lot of things to dive into, and I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, so uh, for now, we will see you guys next time. Thank you for listening. Please go subscribe, rate the podcast, share it with your friends and family, with your fellow swimmers, teammates, whatever. But Five stars. We would love to grow a little bit and you know see what we can do with this, this media outlet and see what light we can shine on swimming. So thank you for listening to Off the Blocks Episode 1, and we will see you next time. Love you guys.